Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McInniff. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. My name is Ryan McInniff. I am here with Janet. Janet, what's going on? Well, it's summertime finally, and I guess the kids are out, although I'm still seeing school buses, and it's just starting to feel like summer finally. I feel like, you know, it's a Monday morning at uh, 10.45, and the phone hasn't been ringing too crazy, too much, so I think uh, people might be getting ready for... Fourth of July week. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. I've talked to, seen two clients this morning and they were all minor issues, which is always a good That's thing. That's always a good thing, right? So um, today we're going to be talking about five oddball questions we get asked uh, on a regular basis, a uh, quasi-regular basis. So that's what we're going to get into. So the first one is, can you pick up my marijuana? <laughs> can you get me my, my weed? <laughs> yep. You get asked that, especially since I uh, got decriminalized in Massachusetts, right, Janet? Yeah, and it's um, it's a huge gray area because it's been decriminalized, but there's still issues on the federal level, so it, it gets kind of dicey. So at the end of the day, there are two major issues that come up with picking up somebody's marijuana. You know, a lot of people, and we've actually had some angry uh, possible customers about this. I uh, felt like they were a little bit understanding, not understanding, but I can also understand where somebody's frustrated with the way that uh, marijuana is leg, reg, legislated and regulated. But here are the two big issues. One, it's still federally illegal. It's not allowed. The, the, as much as we want to stay, say whatever we want to say in the state of Massachusetts, if you are in a state that deems something to be legal and the federal government deems it to be illegal, the rules are very clear that the federal government trumps the local state government. So, so when you have a number of caregivers that are here on a green card, they're here legally, but they're not fully citizens yet, when they're trying to become citizens of the United States and, and do the right thing, the last thing they want to be involved in is a gray area that could get them in trouble with immigration, which is federally regulated on the, that side, and all of a sudden they're in between a rock and a hard place with um, marijuana. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, when we have people that, that call in that are frustrated that we can't do it, like you said, we can appreciate that because I think a lot of studies are showing that there are medicinal benefits to this, and, and who knows um, when this might not be such a gray area. But um, in terms of the caregivers, aside from the legal aspect, just like in any other medication or condition, Caregivers are told to um, observe for certain things. You know, if someone has high blood pressure, you look for this and report. There isn't a protocol really for what to observe that could be side effects from marijuana. They're, they're in a no man's land to know what is dementia, what's medication, what's whatever. And um, it makes them uncomfortable for that. And for someone to feel that, well, the staff is ignorant if ignorant means not fully educated, I would agree with that because we don't have 
all the information to give them. Yes, and another thing that becomes an issue with the, on the caregiver side of things is that, um, and this is going to this isn't going to be a uh, one size fits all blanket statement because depending on where you are in the country, you're going to have a different type of caregiver. And what I mean by that is that that caregiver that you have might be a legal citizen that's a Caucasian or a white person. Up here in Massachusetts, many of the caregivers are people of color that are from Uganda or Haiti or from, you know, that kind of the Western African countries. Um, and a lot of these people um, heavily believe in church, heavily believe in, in uh, the Bible, and heavily believe in that kind of community around church. And while... Um, marijuana and, and, and a lot of people in this office, I think, are a live and let live type mentality when it comes with these things. For some people that are very religious, it is against their faith or it's against their moral code or whatever you want to call it. It is, a, it is something that is not allowed and, look, and is looked down upon in the circles that they are involved in and, and we have very religious caregivers. So when a caregiver goes into a home and feels that this is against something they believe as a fundamental belief in their morality and character and things like that, we also have to be yeah. respectful of that. Um, now, you might be in another part of the country where the caregivers are not as religious and they might not have a problem with that and that's completely okay. But when it, what we're dealing with and dealing with it on a local level is that most of our caregivers are opposed to being around that for one of those two major reasons, whether it's because of it is technically federally legal and they are not full citizens in the United States, they're here on a green card, or it is against their religious beliefs and kind of their moral code, internal code, if you will, of what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable and what is not. Um, and there's a third reason for this as well. And I know that this is changing over time because with marijuana, you have edibles, you have vaporizers or whatever the heck they are. But there's also just this, this, the old fashioned lighting a joint and smoking it in the house. And there is a pung, pungent smell that is associated with that. Um, and I know that the other caregivers who have not had issues with the the legalities and the moralities around marijuana and recreational drug use are just like, I don't want to stink of weed all day when I leave my office. You know, the same thing of I'm sure bartenders get sick of being assumed that they're drunk because they're around alcohol all, all day long and they're right. working with alcohol. Well, that's a that's a that's a job that they have. But there are some caregivers that don't want to be around the smell. They don't want to be around that at all. They don't want to be seen as a possible user. Yep. And if it's on smells in their clothes, you know, whether they had anything to do with it or not. And as far as the culture, to try and give it a, um, a comparison that maybe some people would feel a little more, um, have a little more understanding for is clients that may be in a hospice situation and they may have been prescribed morphine. There are people that culturally have an issue with morphine because it's not really understood to them as as a means of making someone comfortable, but as a means of expediting someone's death. Absolutely. And where you have cases like that, that's where we have to, any agency, you got to know your caregivers and know who's going to be comfortable with that and who isn't. So, and respect that. Yeah, so I mean, they're, 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 but it's an oddball question and we're certainly not passing judgment on anybody nope. by any means, but 
it is a kind of an off the wall, unusual question that we've gotten. And it's becoming, you know, I think as the years go by, it's not going to be an oddball question anymore. It's going to be more of a regular question. But um, at this point in time, and uh, in June of 2018, it's still a little new to us and interesting to have. So um, the other, the other number two, the other big one of the five that we deal with is is one that I think out of all five of these is probably the most important, and it's the most critical. We explain why that this can't happen, and it's can you put my aides or family members on your payroll? Um, so what will happen is we'll get calls from people that have a long time aid that they've been paying under the table that finally they realize, well, this, this isn't going to be just a six month job. This might be a six year job, you know, and we need to make sure that they're, they're, the taxes are being taken out and et cetera, et cetera. Or an even more complicated situation, you know, a daughter is being the primary caregiver for, uh, a father and they want to pay her and they need somebody to have the insurances and the 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 proper um taxes taken out so we'll get called and they'll say oh we'll pay you your hourly fee but we just need to pay you know we need to go through you so that we get our daughter to be on the payroll so everything's on the up and up and Janet, I can let you start with this, but there are there are a number of reasons why that just would never happen in in a million years with us yeah, well, I mean, for us to put someone on the payroll, it's our people are our people. They've been vetted by us. We've done all the background for that. And and there's a, a relationship and a commitment there. In these situations, you're basically, um, you know, changing some paperwork around, but the, that particular caregiver is, in reality, working for the family. And there can be um, all kinds of issues that can come up with that. And you still have the issue if that person's out sick, you're putting in someone that's not that person that they arranged to have. So it really can get kind of mucky to uh, to do that. Yeah. So to give a, to give an example for people that maybe don't know the relationship that Janet and I have, I'm the owner of Minute Women. Janet's the the, the office manager of of Minute Women. Um, Janet's my employee. If Janet does something that I'm not happy with, if Janet does something that's catastrophically, fundamentally bad, which I don't think Janet would ever do. Or just wicked stupid. Or wicked <laughs> stupid. Janet, in theory, could be fired. Everybody that's an employee of somebody else can be fired. As the employer of somebody, you have the, the two major things is that you get, to, you get to direct, control, hire, and fire somebody. That's what this job is about. So if you have somebody that is the family member of a loved one, you lose that control. You can no longer hire and fire somebody because what is considered unacceptable to us would be considered completely acceptable. And I can give you an example of that. If you've listened to other podcasts or seen some of our other videos, um, we've mentioned how we're a non-medical model. And if you are a, a, a father, a daughter, I mean a father, a mother, you're for sure this has happened, but even if, you're, if you've dated somebody and somebody cuts themselves kind of badly. It's not bad enough to be a, a, a emergency care where they need stitches, but it's bleeding everywhere and they need more than a band-aid. They need some gauze and they need some tape and, you know, 
it's a good solid cut. Well, we're not allowed to do that. That's uh, that is considered skilled medical care that we're now providing somebody in somebody's home. And the reason we're not allowed to do that is one of our liabilities of insurance, but also that our caregivers, more importantly, fundamentally, our caregivers have not been trained for the basics of first aid wound care and things like that. Now, I know it sounds completely silly because we've all done this for a loved one and it's like, well, no, we're, nobody's going to get infected. Nobody's this, you know, we can always do the band-aid, but also nobody's going to sue you if you infect your loved one putting on a band-aid or putting on a gauze while we can get sued for doing just that. Okay. Um, so, so if you don't, you can't understand where I'm going with this. A loved one's going to be more than happy to do some type of small medical task for the person they're caring for when it is clear that our insurance and our policies do not allow that to be done. Um, so I can tell you over the years that I've been here, I've gotten at least a dozen phone calls from people that were looking to put a private aid or generally it's a family member on the payroll as the caregiver. And that's where that conflict of interest comes up where the caregiver, though is our employee, is never going to get fired from that case. The only way that we can get rid of that employee is by firing the client themselves and saying, we're no longer going to put this person on payroll. You have to find somebody else to do that. Now, if you are in that position and you do have a situation where you have a family member that needs to have their payroll taken out, there are companies that can do that. And just for the the um, the the example of it, uh, this isn't going to, maybe it would help. I, I guess it doesn't matter where they're, in Waltham, which is the town next to us, we have, there's a company called Hire Family. And if you go to hirefamily.com, they can handle the taxes, the payroll taxes, the um, entitlement, you know, insurances and things like that taken out. And so that's everything is on the up and up. So there are certainly companies that can do that for you. But when you call up an agency looking to do that, it's if they do it, I think that's a big liability issue. But that's the reasoning why, because there's just there's no oversight at that point in time on what's going on in the home and what's not going on in the home. Yeah, I've had people call and ask. Um, they've got someone in the house or a combination of people for their for the client, and they find that they can get reimbursed through their long term care insurance. But we've been approved by their long term care insurance company, so they want us to put their person on the payroll so that they can get that uh, that savings. Yep. And you, as much as we want to help all of our clients. It's a new can-do. Absolutely. So that that's the reasoning why, and hopefully we made it clear, just because it's something that's come up regularly enough, and sometimes families don't understand why it's such a, um, it's there's no even debate about it. It's It doesn't matter if you're looking for us for four hours of care, 24-7. Um, as much as I would hate to turn down a 24-7 case, <laughs> I'd have to be no. So the next one, the third one that kind of gets interesting, and, and it probably comes up a little bit more often than, um, than anything else, is can you clean the whole house? Can you clean out the attic? Can the caregiver clean out the basement full of stuff? Do the organization? Things like that. And that's always a interesting one to deal with. What would you say, Jen? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not housekeepers, uh, the caregivers. They are not someone you would hire like a merry maids as well as to take care of uh, your loved one. They are part of their, what we call scope of practice in terms of housekeeping, is to do the client's laundry, is to do the client's dishes, is to make sure that you know there's nothing on the floor, spills, whatever, so that anything would be dangerous or a trip hazard. But as far as 
organizing closets and all these other things, that can be a little bit of a gray area because if that's something that the caregiver can do with the client as an engaging activity, you know, that that's one thing that's and that's okay. understandable. But the idea of can you take all the winter clothes and put those boxes up in the attic, that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be focused around uh, the needs of the client. And additionally, you know, I and I totally get this because when I went through it with my mom, um, there was a lot of downtime, right? And that's that is completely understandably f- can be frustrating where you're paying an hourly fee for somebody and for maybe two to three hours sometimes at a time they might be sitting there reading a book because somebody's been taking a nap. What you're paying for with this service is you're paying for one-on-one immediate care. You're paying that when your loved one needs somebody, somebody's going to be there in a snap. So if you're having the caregiver, and again, I get it, you're trying to get the most bang for your buck. You're supposed to, you know, you're trying to get your money's worth. If you have them cleaning all the windows in the house, well, they're not going to hear that the person's gotten up and they're trying to go to the bathroom because they think they can do it on their own. And then they trip and fall and hurt themselves. They're not going to hear the little bell ringing saying, hey, I need assistance right now. Um, So while it's completely understandable where you want that from a caregiver, and I do get that and I do empathize with that, um, it defeats the purpose of having a caregiver in the home available to make sure a loved one's safe and cared for. Absolutely. The best comparison I can give is a lifeguard. When you go to these pools, you see that guy sitting up in the chair and you want to know that he or she has CPR and first aid and has all that training. And if it's a good day, they never get out of the chair, you know, and there's there's downtime there. But what you're paying for is someone who is qualified to do things and tasks they need to do but to be observing to prevent things from happening. Yeah, absolutely. And so so like you said, when, when it comes to cleaning, it is a gray area because the fact of the matter is some caregivers are more willing to go a little bit above and beyond their, their, their job description and do more cleaning than others are willing to do. It is a bit of a gray area. And what you're, you're, we guarantee with clients is that after making meals, cleaning up the kitchen, doing the pots and pans, doing the dishes... That's all going to get done. Using the bathroom, if there happens to be an accident, it needs to be cleaned up. That's going to wiping down the shower from getting used, wiping down the sink from the the toilet, uh, the, the toothpaste, or whatever it might be. Those are yep. the things that are going to get done. Where you're you're not guaranteed is that the caregiver isn't going to be pulling out the mop bucket every single Friday and mopping down the kitchen floors and the bathrooms and the hallways because you have hardwood floors, assuming every single week that's kind of where it becomes a house cleaner and that's where that expectation is it's going to be a house cleaner not a one-on-one care caregiver these caregivers do feel as they, they are they are even though we just talked about they're not medically skilled but they are a medical side of providing help for an individual they are there to provide solid care they're not a house cleaner so i know that can be frustrating we get it um, regularly where people want to get the most for their money and i get that but that's kind of a situation that i thought i'd bring up as well yeah that's a good point so the next one the fourth out of the five is is janet made me put this on the list because <laughs> she's heard it enough and i agree i agree it's will you take care of my pet <laughs> yeah and you know it, it's 
It's amazing how often that question does come up. And I, I find it interesting that the the client needs complete care, but they have a pet, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't have a pet fee on there. And we don't, um, you know, you have pets and it's not a love me, love my dog world. There are people that don't have pets, aren't used to caring for pets. Um, people that have cats, they're very independent. They often don't like strangers, which is what the caregiver is. Um but people think that personal care extends to the kitty litter and uh, cleaning up after the dog or the puppy that's not housebroken, and that's just not part of, of what they do. Um, so you, you need to keep that in mind. There are some people that have pets and they like pets, and yeah, they're going above and beyond, really, to put the food in the dog dish and the water in there. But, you know, that that's not an expectation that's realistic. And it's gone so far as to clean out bird cages and bunny cages. And I actually, not with Minute Women, but years ago, had to do an injury report on someone whose cockatoo was flying around the house and bit the caregiver on the nose, you know? So there's this strange things that come on, but we don't. So if you have a dog, you need to deal with somebody to walk it. Somebody else is going to have to feed it and clean up after it. It's not in the scope of practice for yeah. the caregiver. And again, it's one of those gray areas because Jana brought up a good point with, with walking a dog and giving an exercise. Again, it goes back to the house cleaning. It defeats the purpose of one-on-one care when somebody's down the street doing a 20-minute walk for the dog to get its exercise and somebody trips and falls while they're not at home. Additionally, you know, the, the, the other side of that pendulum swinging back to a more less less involved side is, well, can you just open up the door and let the dog out? And then when it's done its business, let the dog back in. Well, you know, that's a situation where it's happened. But... Also, at the meantime, you better let the landscaping company know that they're going to also be doing uh, cleaning landmines, as we called them growing up. Don't step on any landmines because there's going to be a mess out in the back. And when they cut the lawn, they should be aware, you know, because the caregiver is not going to go out with a shovel and clean that up. So. Just and if be, the dog gets out of the backyard or scoots out the front door, we don't go searching for pets. Exactly. So that's kind of where it's like, hey, we'll, we'll, we can go a bit above and beyond um, with things. And caregivers are usually, they try to be good with that. Um, but it's it's not a perfect science. We, we have caregivers, and we were talking about, we have caregivers from Uganda that that are very religious. And that kind of has issues with, with, with dealing with marijuana. Well, we also have caregivers, the same caregivers from Uganda, for whatever reason, and I don't fully understand it, but we have to respect that. They are either, they, I understand that they're allergic to cats, but some of them just don't want to even be around cats. Or even dogs, because many people, there are dogs that are on their property, whatever, but they are not pets like we know pets. So it's not something you, you scratch behind the ears and you cuddle with. They're there for protection or whatever else, but it would be like, like having a horse in your house to them. It's a it's almost like a farm animal. So yeah. it's a it's a cultural difference. Absolutely. Like like I bring my little my little guy Jackson, who's a twelve pound Havanese that that, you know, on his worst day, I think he accidentally scratched me because he was playing too hard. You know, he no. doesn't have a mean bone in his body. But there have been times where caregivers come into the office, and he's not here every day. He's here maybe once a quarter. Okay. Um, yeah, if that, which Janet and, and, <laughs> and my other employees are not happy about. Um, but you can also see that some caregivers are, are 
apprehensive when they see Jackson running towards them. Again, the thing's 12 pounds. I mean, it, it, it comes up to your ankle and yeah. um, or your shin, I should say. And they're, they're a little taken back. Like, what's this animal doing? And then once they realize that all he wants is you to, you know, throw the ball or whatever, then it's all okay. But, you know, I have to be respectful of those caregivers. And if, if Jackson is going to be make them uncomfortable, and he's going to have to come in a different office, and he's going to have to be separated for a few minutes while the caregivers do their, their job. So when you're dealing with people from different countries, you're dealing with different cultures, mm-hmm. and they don't see it all the same way as we do as uh, Americans, clearly. So I have friends that have never had a pet, and the idea of, you know, taking care of my dog would would just they wouldn't know where to begin yeah so the activities of daily living for which our staff has been trained does not include dogs cats birds (laughs) and the final one and i think this has been asked a few times it doesn't get asked all the time um but it's can you take notes during a doctor's visit and that's always an interesting one jenna what are your thoughts on that well the, the fact is that you've got as everybody knows the term HIPAA, there are privacy issues with that. There is personal information. Caregivers need to know the information required to do their job. They don't necessarily need to know all of the background mm-hmm. and a lot of things that are going on. And um, because there can be um, a communication barrier, I mean, most medical um, terminology is, is based in Latin. And, you know, they can talk about different things and talk about medications. And even nurses and everyone else goes through school learning about sound-alike meds. And to have that person be taking notes, they could, though trying their best, have inaccurate information. Absolutely. So so there was a game that I think, I don't know if it happens anymore because the world has changed so much. But I played when I was a kid. And it was called Telephone. Yep. And so, you know, if you're not familiar with telephone, you'd have like, you know, anywhere between five and 25 kids stand in a line. The teacher would tell the first kid a secret phrase, and then that kid would turn to the kid next to him and, and repeat the secret phrase, and then oh, so on and so on and so on. By the time it ever got to that 15th or 20th kid, that phrase had been butchered, and it completely <laughs> had been changed to a completely unrelated phrase, and everybody ended up laughing and pointing at no it was you who changed no it was you you told me this you told me that exactly so you could be sitting there writing down all the important things but i don't i'm i speak clear english i understand clear english and i'm not a medical professional so i might not pick up on the thing that is most important that a doctor wants to let me know and then relay that to a family member because it's just it's just like playing a game of telephone so what we do as a compromise in these situations is that we will take any information any and all notes and information that the doctor deems is 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 important enough we can bring that and deliver it and they can bring it to the office and we can mail it out or we can fax it over or whatever it needs to be we can get you that information as the adult child but we can't have the caregiver be the uh transcriber of that information right and and given technology two of the best solutions to dealing with that is if the caregiver brings um a family member to a doctor's appointment for you to arrange to conference call and a number of doctors do this now and they're they're comfortable with it Another thing that a great many physicians do now and hospitals do is they have patient portals and the doctor will type up notes 
and we'll send them directly to the family. And then they have the written information that way as well. And then it's it's direct communication from A to B with no middleman. Yep, absolutely. So excellent. So these are the five kind of oddball or unusual questions that we've gotten over the years. We want to thank you very much for joining us on the Caregiver's Toolbox. And we will catch you on the next one. Thank you very much. Thank you.